You can find them standing above innocuous intersections, presiding over park grounds, or on the sidewalk across from a La Quinta Inn. All right, we're at the corner of Trinity and 11th, and this is one of the original moon towers. These are Austin's Moonlight Towers. They're 165 feet tall with six round lights circling their pinnacle. There are just over a dozen of these structures still standing in Austin, and they're the only ones left in the entire world. I went to go see a few of them with my brother Tripp, who moved to Austin last year. I see a short pole leading up to a very long tower. And a Coke bottle full of urine. Oh, and a Coke bottle full of urine. <laughs> what appears to be urine, we can't be sure. And back when the library was still open, I drove past this intersection literally every day. And you know, now that I'm looking at it, uh, I actually don't know why these things exist. Like, what are they for? Do you know, Will? There's a plaque, but it's, it's so high up, it's actually kind of hard to read it. <laughs> the most popular Moon Tower origin story revolves around the Servant Girl murders, which occurred in 1884 and 1885 in Austin. The still unsolved killing spree was committed by one of America's first serial killers, predominantly preyed upon young black women working as domestic servants in the city. Some people even think the killer fled to England and became Jack the Ripper. But in the late 1800s, a cloudy night would plunge the city into total darkness. And as the legend goes, the city placed these moon towers around Austin to provide light and by extension, relative safety. One of the 31 original moonlit towers installed in Austin in 1895. Each tower illuminated a circle of 3,000 feet using six carbon arc lamps. The six carbon arc lights on top of the original 31 towers were meant to approximate the power of a full moon. Mm. They were so bright, residents even started carrying umbrellas with them at night. Thank you for reading, that was good. You're welcome. In reality, the moon towers were constructed a full 10 years after the end of the Servant Girl murders. The more likely impetus was just progress. Most other American cities were getting nighttime illumination, and Austin's rough topography made traditional street lamps extremely tough to install. Yeah. We were driving down the street and we saw another one. I've also walked by this street corner multiple times and never saw it before. You never noticed it? Never noticed it before, yeah. In 1976, the Moonlight Towers were inducted into the National Register of Historic Places, and the remaining Moon Towers have been foundationally restored. They become something of an Austin trademark, even if they do live in relative anonymity. Yeah, there are warning signs. Um, probably because they don't want people to climb up it, much like in the classic Austin film, Dates and Confused. <laughs> Not to worry. There's a new fiesta in the making as we speak. It's out at the Moon Tower. Full kegs. Everybody's gonna be there. You ought to go. So to me, one of the most striking things about these Moon Towers is how these century-old structures live in the shadow of modern office buildings and condominiums and 7-Elevens. Over the years, the city has basically been built around them. If you know anything about Austin, you know it's one of the fastest growing cities in the country, and that comes with growing pains. There's a decades-long tug-of-war happening between longtime locals who want to keep the spirit of old Austin alive with an influx of new businesses and residents looking to create a hit metropolis in the middle of Texas. Residents are pissed off their city is becoming something like a new Silicon Valley, and new residents are like, sorry, we think this place is awesome. 
So today, we're looking at this collision of old Austin and new Austin by talking to a few locals, like legendary journalist Dan Rather, and also highlighting some of the things you can do in the city to experience the best of both worlds. But first, we're going to speak with proud Texan and Thrillist Editor-in-Chief Helen Holliman. I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Explorers. I'm Brandon. My wife and I moved to Austin on a whim because it sounded to be a perfect mix of a city and a more mellow country suburban environment. Checked every box that we hoped for. Nice little quiet neighborhood, great breweries. Hiking, biking, fishing. I've really loved it. My name is Madison, and I moved to Austin about three months ago from the San Francisco Bay Area. I just love this city. I love how manageable it feels and the access you get to the outdoors. I think Austin kind of has the best of Texas in one spot. People are involved in so many different things. There's a lot of culture here. It's a young city. It's a beautiful city. I don't know. I just like it. All right, so Helen, we heard from a couple people who have moved to Austin recently. What I want to ask you, as someone who's from Austin, how do you feel about all of this change? Well, I would say Austin has always been a place of change. The 70s was when you had Willie Nelson and that cosmic cowboy revolution that came here. You know, Nike sneakers, pot smoking, anti-Nashville country musicians came back to Texas and kind of brought that flavor of the quote-unquote keep Austin weird vibes. I've always seen it as like a city that is really welcoming and I'm excited to see where it goes next. Do you think there's a way to reconcile the old with the new, to try to maintain the things that made Austin what it is, but then also take in some of the positive aspects? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think like the way to maybe reconcile it is like learn about Austin history. The thing I think as a local that drives me nuts sometimes is when people say, oh, I love Austin because it's like a L.A. It's not. It's Texas. Texas is big, and the first rule of thumb to being a Texan is bragging about it. What does it mean to keep Austin weird in in 2021? I don't know, but I'm hoping we can keep the weirdos going. I think when you do talk to people that live there and you say something like keep Austin weird, some of them might be like, Austin is not fucking weird anymore, whatever, there's all these chains, this isn't what I remember. But in my mind as an outsider, I do think it's a very distinct pocket of American culture and Texas culture. Let me tell you a story. You know, I go for walks a lot now. And I was hanging out with a good friend and I was like, hey, I'm going to go get us some margaritas to go. So I went over to one of my favorite bars in town. It's called Kind of Tropical. And I parked my car and opened the door and I looked to my left and there are two horses in the parking lot that somebody had literally rode in on their own horses into the lot. When I went to talk to the owner, I was like, hey, uh, did you bring those here? And he said, no, 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 the customers brought them. And they asked if they could actually bring them in to sit next to him at the bar. (laughs) 
Is it a place to come and visit and have an American experience? Absolutely. I think it's going to continue to have spaces for musicians, for artists, you know, and I think a lot of why people are so drawn to Austin probably stems from South by Southwest, but it's what happens when the festivals are gone that I think is the magic of this city. It's a space where if you come here and you're like, hey, I'm trying to do this thing or trying to figure this thing out, someone might say to you, well, I have no idea anything about that, but why don't you come to my backyard barbecue and you can meet my neighbor who knows more about that. I'm so glad you still think it's fun because we have this whole episode planned, so. (laughs) (laughs) Square dancing is the official dance of Texas, but what happens when this southwestern tradition collides with the modern world? Producer Mia Fask has the story of the Lone Star Lambdas. I'll let her take it from here. The type of calls that we have uh, some of them were based in history. You've probably heard of do do Basically, you're moving towards somebody and around them and coming back to the same place. This is Tom. I'm Tom Barrett. I'm the president of the Lone Star Lambdas. Which is the only LGBTQ square dancing group in Austin. Yeah, yeah. We don't just dance to the textbook. One of the calls that we have is spin the top. And one of the comebacks that we voice is he's no top. When you go to their website, you'll see a photo of Tom and the rest of the lamb dust posing on the dance floor, holding their mascot, a lamb chop puppet. And you'll also notice their logo. It's shaped like a bat and nod to the 750,000 bats that live under the South Congress Bridge. The body is colored like a Texan Lone Star and the wings have a rainbow pattern. One of the reasons that the founders felt that we needed an extra club here in Austin was the aspects of the shunning. Back in 2005, there were male-male, female-female partners who could not dance together because of tradition. It's sort of heartbreaking to see a gay or lesbian couple not be able to dance together when they see their straight couples dancing all the time. And it just sort of sprung out of that. Austin, of course, is a liberal city. But when you get out of the city... It's still in a mostly conservative area in the country. Uh, They are a mixed bag of welcoming and not very welcoming. I've been to square dancers where the other men in the square, they would dance with us, but they would not do all the calls. By not doing the calls, you don't reach the right positions and it breaks down the square. Basically, people lose their place and there's just no hope in recovery. But Tom has noticed the city has been changing, becoming less traditional and more modern in the past 15 years, which has had a variety of effects on the LGBTQ culture. All the bars are pretty much welcoming. There are a lot of safe zones around, and we're just sort of one of the other safe zones. The only issues that are still a problem in Austin are some of the trans folks do have problems with some of the bars, the bouncers. 
maybe in the old traditional cowboy bars, they may get a little bit perturbed with two guys dancing together. But for the most part, the young people, they have no problem. For the record, the Lambdas have totally removed bars in general from the situation. So that's not a problem. Well, the Lambdas usually meet on Mondays at Gethsemane Lutheran Church and the gymnasium. And that is primarily where we have danced for the last 15 years. So they do dance without any booze in a church gymnasium, but they still know how to have fun with their tips. A tip is usually two 10-minute runs of square dancing. We have people wearing leather jeans. There's a lot of bare skin sometimes. The Lone Star Lambdas continue to embrace an old-timey Texan tradition with a modern sensibility. You know, they take it for granted everywhere that they're treated just like anybody else. And of course, all are welcome to join. But there's a lot of straight people that like to dance with us because we don't discriminate whether or not you lead or follow. Traditionally, the woman is the follower, but we don't have that hang up. People want to dance either side, they're welcome to it. Gay, straight, or other. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll hear from Dan Rather. Dan Rather truly needs no introduction. This longtime Austin resident and Texas native is one of the most esteemed, trusted, and legendary American journalists of all time. Currently, his Twitter account is one of my favorite things about the internet, and he has a new book out called What Unites Us, and in my opinion, it's an essential read, especially right now. We were truly honored to have him call into our show. Here's our conversation. All right. All right, folks, I think we can begin. Okay, excellent. So um, Austin has a few official and unofficial slogans. Uh, people call it the live music capital of the world. Like the live music capital of the world. Keep Austin weird. Keep Austin weird. If you had to give Austin a quick tagline, what would it be? Friendliest big city in America. You think so? I do. It's part of our Western history and legacy to be independent, but to be friendly. Anybody who comes to Austin and doesn't remark on how genuinely friendly the city is, I think has missed a a very important part of the soul of Austin. I wouldn't want to lose the Keep Austin Weird. Austin has its strange, weird, even slightly wacko side, which is part of its personality. And as for the live music capital, it certainly has been that. Of course, we have Austin City Limits here. But I do come back to Austin is a very friendly place. I think having a university in the capital here contributes to its friendliness. I know you grew up in Texas, but what about Austin drew you to the city? Well, I was born in Wharton, Texas which is a small farming and cattle community. My father thought it was important for the kids to see the capital. And so the first time I saw Austin, I don't even think I was 10 years old. You know, there was a certain magic about it. We came to Austin a lot after I got married in the late 1950s. One of the beautiful things about Austin is not in the city limits, it's just west of Austin. We fell in love with Lake Travis. We had a place here which we came as often as we could. And now, since the pandemic, we have been here 
permanently, if you will. Yeah, and when you talk to locals, I think it's easy for them to pine for what they consider to be the old Austin. In your mind, what has been the biggest shift in the city over the past two decades? And what has all this change meant for both the people who live there and people who are visiting? Boston's explosive growth has brought many people from many parts of the country and indeed from around the world to Austin. Before, most Austin residents were either born here in Austin or somewhere in Texas. But now it has a remarkably diverse population. And this has changed the city in many important ways, and in my opinion, for the better. For example, that Austin is much more tolerant, much more even inclusive now uh, than it's ever been. We are very focused on bars and restaurants and, and things like that. What are some of your favorite restaurants and bars historically in Austin? Well, I have a long list. When I want a real Mexican lunch or dinner, there's a place called La Fonda San Miguel. They do their fair share of what's called Tex-Mex food, but it's much broader and deeper than that. It's basically Mexican food with a heavy Texas overcast. Uh, there's so many first-class restaurants, one of which is Chapelina, which is not generally seen as one of the Austin's premier restaurants with a star and all that, but as a neighborhood eating place, it's friendly and very good food. You can't mention places to eat in Austin without mentioning Franklin's Barbecue, which is generally regarded, at least by Austinites, as the world's best barbecue. You have to get in line fairly early because they'll run out of barbecue most days by 12 or 1 o'clock. There's so many places to eat in Austin. I wouldn't say it's anywhere close to New York, but it's gaining. Yeah, I mean, no, that that's a great list. So if it came down to it, Austin barbecue or Austin Tex-Mex, what, what would you go with? Ooh. That's like asking me to choose among my children. I'll just take barbecue for lunch and Tex-Mex for dinner and be pleased for as long as you can serve it. You know, another debate that comes up with my Austin friends, too, in terms of beer, Shinerbach versus Lone Star. Do you have any thoughts about that? Love them both, but if I have to pick one, i pick the Shiner. I like that. You really need to serve it ice cold, and I mean ice cold, you know. Traveling domestically right now, especially in cars and road trips, is really dominating travel because it's really all we can do, which has led a lot of people that I know more open to visiting cities in America they wouldn't normally visit. Do you think it's important that the people who live in this country take time to get to know this country in order to understand America and also Americans? I do. As a child, we were what most people would consider the lower echelons of the socioeconomic strata at the time. They were insistent that we took family trips. Now, family trips for us, one would be the family trip to Austin. At that time, those were considered fairly long trips to drive from Houston to Austin. But I'm happy to say, mostly because of my work, I've seen a lot of this country, including all 50 states. But there's still a lot of places I want to go, including sometimes go back to places. For example, you can't go to Grand Canyon enough. We all know that travel does broaden and deepen you. 
and it will broaden and deepen you to the extent of the interest and enthusiasm and curiosity that you bring along with you on your trip. The country has so many vast differences and variations from state to state. As someone who has been, like you said, to all 50 states and has a really unique perspective, in the year 2020, what do you think ties us all together as Americans? We have enormous differences, and we are divided along partisan, political, and ideological lines. But we know that everybody in the country, we believe in the U.S. Constitution. We've never achieved complete and total equal justice under the law, but that is our navigational star. We're always trying to move in that direction. And for all the talk of being divided, which we are badly about so many things, racism is still a deep and abiding problem. But there are all of these things that tie us together as Americans. President Obama referred to Walter Cronkite as a single point of truth and how he was concerned now that democracy can't flourish in the absence of that authority. Out of all the presidents you've interacted with, which one would you most like to spend a day touring Austin with? Well, I'm tempted to say Donald Trump. (laughs) Really? Because I think it would be... uh... An exciting, interesting, and even an educational experience. I'm like a smart person. President Clinton. Good morning. And Ronald Reagan. Good evening. Come to mind, and I'll tell you why. Each of them had what used to be called a common touch. For example, they had the ability that even if they locked onto your eyes for only three or five seconds and held your hand, you had a feeling that they were with you in that moment. Among the things I'd want to show them is the new Austin Library. I can't say enough about it. It's a treasure for Austin. It's a treasure for the state of Texas. And it's become a real gathering place, and it's one of my favorite places. Final question. Over your long, storied career, what interview are you most proud of? Well, uh, I'm smiling because... I've been extremely lucky and, you know, I've interviewed every president since Harry Truman, beginning with Dwight Eisenhower. And to interview a president in office, I always saw it as an honor and a privilege. And I could list any one of the presidential interviews, but, you know, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa. uh, I covered Dr. Martin Luther King in some of the early stages of the civil rights movement. And Dr. King changed me as a person and changed me as a professional. That's amazing. And, you know, I just want to say, um, for me personally, this one is right up at the top of my own list. It's truly been an honor speaking with you about Austin, and I really do appreciate it, Mr. Rather. Well, I really appreciate it. It's been been an honor for me to be with you. I I very much appreciate uh, being with you. Uh, I wish you good luck and Godspeed. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Once again, check out Mr. Rather's new book, What Unites Us. Read it, drink a shiner, and appreciate this living legend. I think everyone in America could benefit from doing so. 
Anastasia Uriegas is a contributor to Thrillist Austin, and one of her biggest hits was an extensive guide profiling the best breakfast tacos in a city teeming with amazing breakfast tacos. It was no easy task, and she was nice enough to give us, and me specifically, three of her favorites in the city so I could try when I was, um, honestly, really hungover. Here we go. Breakfast tacos, to me, are like the ultimate hangover food because they soak up whatever evil is still in your stomach. They taste amazing. And then it's going to put you into a food coma. Food coma, 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 food coma. So I wrote this Thrillist Breakfast Taco Roundup Number one, because it was assigned to me. Number two, because I got to eat all the tacos. And, you know, I got to learn a lot more about the people in town who are doing it and the families behind the businesses. People in Austin have an almost unhealthy obsession with breakfast tacos. We're a city of people who love to hang out outside. So that sort of lends itself to food truck culture. The first place I'd recommend for breakfast tacos in Austin is definitely Joe's Bakery and Coffee Shop on the east side. Right, I'm in the parking lot at Joe's Bakery. They're only doing car service. Oh yeah, Joe's is definitely like quintessential Tex-Mex. Like this family is literally serving what they eat at home, like what they know, and they're doing it really, really well. Oh yeah, this looks great. One of the reasons they stand out- Definite shredded cheese. Is because of the way they treat their bacon. Bacon. They literally dredge it in flour, leave it overnight, and then cook it on a flat top grill. So it's like really, really flat. It sticks out of either side of the taco. It's a good size too. It's insanely crispy. Damn, this is great. They make their own flour tortillas in the typical Tex-Mex style. So they use baking powder in them that gives it like this thick, fluffy texture. This tastes like a bacon, egg, and cheese that I would get at like a New York bodega, but in taco form. It's just a good feeling. And cheap as hell too. So the next place I'd recommend is Veracruz All Natural. They're probably the most popular taco place in Austin. And because of that, every time you go and you're gonna order the truck in person, you're gonna wait. Excuse me, which location are we at right now? Uh, East Austin. East Austin, okay. And they've been open for about 10 years. And in that time, they've gotten so much press. It's crazy. Like celebrities would go there during South by, like Seth Rogen, Gwyneth Paltrow. And they're most well known for their Migas taco, which is a combination of Scrambled eggs, fried tortilla chips, tomato, onion, cilantro, honorary jack cheese, and avocado on top. And it's insanely good. This is really good. It's very sloppy though. <laughs> we need a napkin. So migas is typically just like a breakfast dish in Mexico and in Tex-Mex cuisine. A nice crunch. I think I like this one better than Joe's actually so far. It's not typical to find it in a taco. And a lot of places do do it because, you know, Austin's sort of like home of the mashup food, but they do it best. Damn, this is good. One. 
So the last place I'd recommend going for breakfast tacos is Valentina's Tex-Mex Barbecue. All right, driving out to the last stop. I feel like where Valentina's is located is definitely south, south Austin. It's kind of out of the way. There's only firework stands and condos and storage facilities around here. The owner and pitmaster, Miguel, he's from San Antonio. And uh, funny, I went to middle school and high school with him. <laughs> So one of the reasons I really love Valentina's is that they're bringing the best of two worlds. Austin barbecue and Tex-Mex. All right, so obviously the big difference with this one is there's brisket in it. Holy shit, this looks good. So, you know, he's calling it Tex-Mex barbecue, but really this is just the way, you know, Mexican-American people eat at home. You know, we, we barbecue, we eat tacos, we mix them up, you know, so. Holy hell, it's so good. What he's doing is uh, smoking with mesquite, which is cool because a lot of people in Austin smoke their meat with post oak. This is really lean and good. It's ripped up. You know, so he's smoking meats, he's got tacos, he's got sandwiches. And so really there's something for everybody. Hello? Hey, Anastasia, it's Will. I just got back from trying the three places you recommended, and um, I'm definitely a little hungover, and I will say I do feel a lot better right now. I want to ask you, out of the three you gave me, do you have one favorite? Oh, why would you make me do that? I would have to go with Joe's. Okay. Only because it's really close to my house. I know that's <laughs> kind of a selfish reason. But um, it just reminds me of home. You know, I'm from San Antonio. So it reminds me of the food from there. But man, that's not to diminish how good the other places are. I do have to say, if I had to pick one, I think I would pick a Real Deal Holyfield from Valentina's with the brisket on it. That is such a good taco. It's, it's ridiculous. The thing I love the most about the Real Deal Holyfield is that that's all you have to order. Like you eat that taco and you're done. Like it's so big and so delicious. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thank you for being our taco guru here. And hopefully next time I'm in Austin, we can enjoy some of these together. Do you mind if I steal that? That I'm now the taco guru? <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Got it. You can check out Anastasia's full list of the best breakfast tacos in Austin. A link is in our description. You probably know the wildly talented Bobby Burke as one of the hosts of Netflix Queer Eye. This past year, he ended up moving to Austin temporarily, but in his time there, he learned to appreciate the city in a way that only very extreme circumstances could facilitate. Here's his story. Hey, I am Bobby Burke. I'm a designer from Los Angeles and one of five hosts from Netflix Queer Eye. Picture it, Austin, 2020, the start of it all. We were in Austin filming. We had just wrapped on the reveal of our first episode and production got shut down. Two weeks went by. Now what, nine months, uh, we're still not back. But 
I really had already fallen in love with Austin. So I'm like, hey, we already prepaid for this house. Might as well stay in Austin. There's really no reason for us to go back to LA. And it was great. Um, one of the things I love about Austin is it's such an outdoor city. Everyone's always outside. There's the green belt that you go hiking on and it goes through forests and nature and goes around this river and then it ends at this amazing massive city pool and Zeichler Park. Zeichler, Zeichler Park? I always say it wrong. But it's just, it's beautiful and it's this big massive park and right behind this beautiful green area in the park you have the the skyline of austin you have the river and it's well actually it's a lake even though i thought it was a river um and it's just so outdoor based One of the things that makes Austin so special is it, it has a unique design sense, especially in, in my field of design and architecture. There is kind of what I would call like the Austin modern. Austin modern. Austin modern. Austin modern. It's kind of a, a mixture of very contemporary modern architecture married with a farmhouse. Um, you know, for me, I'm all about keeping homes, not the way they are necessarily, but keeping the their their bones. You know, I, I love how Austin will give you a tax break to keep that house on the front looking exactly the way it was. You can build back and you can make it modern and bigger, but if you keep that house looking the way it was and keeping the character of that neighborhood, you get tax breaks. We lived in Bolden Creek, which is right off of South Congress, which is an area that has become really cool and trendy. There's the San Jose Hotel, which um, my friend Liz Lambert opened. So Liz actually was the college roommate of our executive producer of Queer Eye. And she's just phenomenal. You know, she's such a visionary with design and food, and I think can really be given major props as one of the pioneers for not just the foodie scene in Austin, but bringing amazing, cool design and making design matter in Austin. There's a mural on the side of either Joanne's or San Jose Cafe. I think it just says, I love you so much. And it's become an icon in Austin. And it literally, her ex-girlfriend painted it because they got in a fight. And she just literally spray painted that up on the side of the building as an apology to Liz. And it turned into this iconic Instagrammable moment. And that's one of the things I love about Austin is like these cool things that have become Instagrammable moments. Literally, that was just an apology from Liz Lambert's girlfriend on the side of the wall. And now it's like this iconic place. So I, we're being told that we are going back to Austin um, sometime in 2021. Our show is not an easy show to film in the middle of a pandemic. You know, our show, we're out at restaurants and salons and, and clothing stores and, and, and design stores and we're having events and we're hugging everyone we see. So it's a little bit harder to social distance and to keep a close environment. So hopefully this vaccine is, is a sure thing and we can get back to work in Austin very soon. All right, we're going to take one more quick break, but when we get back, we're wrapping things up with a few more expert picks. Stick around. All right, Helen, so one thing that we didn't cover a ton of, unfortunately, is live music, something that Austin definitely has a ton of. 
Historically, do you have some venues that you feel are essential to the Austin live music experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, the first stop on the list is Antone's, which is an incredible blues venue. Every single legendary blues musician has probably rolled through there. And then there's like, you know, the kind of indie vibes spaces like the Mohawk. I've seen amazing, amazing performances from like Leon Bridges to one of my favorite Texas bands, the Texas Gentlemen. To be honest, like my favorite one isn't really a venue, it's a place. Willie Nelson's Ranch, Luck Reunion, is a music event and it's really small. You get to hang out on Willie's Ranch but there's different bands that perform all across these spaces. I've seen probably the best music performances of my life have been on that ranch. So Anastasia shared her picks for breakfast tacos. So I would love to talk about restaurants that maybe don't get a lot of attention, but maybe should. You know, this is the city of food trucks, but one of the most amazing food trucks that has been here for a few years now is this truck that focuses on one thing. It's called Descada. What they do is this kind of northern Mexican style, what's called like walk cowboy cooking, basically cooking on a tractor disc. It's basically these miniature tacos that are this combination of really tender stewed beef and pork with bell pepper and it's braised for hours and hours. So it's like really delicious. I've just been really inspired by how restaurants here have been having to pivot during the pandemic. And there's a really innovative and interesting cookie pop-up or bakery pop-up, if you will, It's called Galleta, and it's both Mexican and Filipino desserts. Their tres leches cake is hands down one of the best things that I ate in 2020. Um, And I feel like we all ate our feelings in 2020. So cool. So Austin, you know, it's usually beautiful. Are there any um, outdoor areas in Austin that you really love? A place that I've been going to a lot lately is actually Laguna Gloria. It's an art school, but they also have a historic home and sort of this park area that you can go through. And it's both a place where you can take in amazing sculptures, but also have moments of Zen with nature. Yeah, it's a really inspiring, relaxing place. Well, last question. If you could recommend just one thing, what would you recommend? Wow. Wow, that's a really hard question. (laughs) You know, it's funny. A friend of mine who moved back here a couple years ago, they were telling me this story about explaining Austin to one of their friends. And they basically told it this way, which is that the real Austin, there's nothing to do. And that's the best part about it. Because when you are from here, you live here for a long time, Chances are you get back into town and someone's going to be like, hey, you want to go catch up at the coffee shop and play dominoes? And you're like, no, I have stuff to do. And they're like, cool, well, maybe later today. I think that that's really Austin is it really is an oasis where you can find your own moment of joy and not have too much of the anxiety of New York City of like, oh, my God, I have to do all these things all day. But there are those things if you want them to exist as well. I would say it's about slowing down, 
enjoying a delicious taco and saying hi to a complete stranger. All right, that does it for us. Remember, you can send us your own recommendations, travel stories, gripes, furious rants, or corrections by calling our toll-free hotline 1-833-POD-BABY. We'd love to hear you, even if you want to yell at us. Speaking of love, I want to thank producers Jake Rasmussen and Mia Fask. Special thanks to Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kushner, Emily Feld, and from iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hadakudor. This episode was edited by Jake Rasmussen and mixed by Dan Byrne. You made it to the end, so I will leave you with a fun fact. More people actually visit Austin every year than Rome, London, or Hawaii, which is just completely bonkers. Hopefully, if you haven't visited yet, you will soon when it becomes safe to do so. Uh, All right, that's it. See you next week, nerds. Bye.